Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed Podcast today. And today I have a friend calling in from Culver City, California, and his name is Siavash Fashi. He owns the smallest, most successful gym in America. Welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, John. I'm excited to be here and share my story. Thank you. Nice. So I know you probably, you know, when you opened this thing and, you know, got going, you probably didn't think. 800 square feet would do what it's doing now. I mean, what was your anticipation when this first started? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not in my wildest dream. I opened a gym because at the time I was a competitive bodybuilder. I just wanted a little gym not to get distracted with the girls in the big gym. So I just wanted a little uh, small place for myself to train and push myself to be the world champion. My whole focus was on myself. It wasn't about helping others or anything like that. So then along the way, everything changed when I saw how many people are changing. Their lives are changing here. So that's my mission, start changing. And, and how many years have you had the place? Um, right now, well, 12 years. I've been having the gym for 12 years. But my story starts from way back when I was in Iran because I'm originally from Iran and bodybuilding was illegal in my native country. Uh, so a picture of Arnold inspired me. And that's how the passion and the, uh, the passion came to me and uh, I went through hell to come to America and be here and building this gym, uh, which I will share with you guys how the whole the journey to building the most successful small gym in America started all the way back from Iran, seeing the Arnold picture. Now, how, are, how old were you when you had this thought? At that time, when I saw Arnold picture, I was 16 years old. 16 years old but before that i was involved in sports so uh, as i said mo all the american sports were illegal in iran because after the revolution anything american was uh, kind of uh, considered as a propaganda uh, so government would not allow boxing you know even chess or none of that so but i was doing taekwondo i was a competitive very competitive in the taekwondo world uh, in iran and uh, I was competing for my school. And then once I saw Arnold, I just kind of, I said, okay, this is it. I wanted to be him. And when you say sport, if you're doing athletics, what sports were allowed? T okay. It was mostly martial art, Taekwondo, uh, wrestling, Olympic wrestling was uh, allowed and Olympic weightlifting was, uh, they had that, but they didn't have anything uh, like to do with the physique or showing your body or skin, uh, man, even man, I mean, woman was impossible, but even for men, uh, they were not allowed to show skin or be in a publication or anything like that. There was no newspaper, uh, the video, even video cassette is something that it's as simple as, I mean, American wouldn't even imagine that it was illegal to even have video, uh, to play videos or anything like that. So it was a, it was a completely different world. When you think about leaving a country and you have family there and, and that's where your lineage is and heritage and you know your family and so forth what's going through your mind i mean how do you just want to get out of there you know? absolutely i mean do the other family members understand that mm -hmm. so i'm going to give you uh the you know, your audience a little background about um uh, so that makes sense why i left uh so we were uh, we were part of the uh, 
when the revolution happened, Iran revolution happened, and uh, we were part of a religious minority, so the government and uh, considered us as an infidel, and all of us, the men, we kept our mustaches, so we were very easy to recognize, get recognized. So the, there was no job, nothing for us, and everybody was from the little village. Uh, my dad was making musical instrument, the one that you see behind me, and the music was illegal at the time, so anytime if they catch us with this, and they would break it. So that was the only income we had coming in. So life was pain very painful in Iran for us. And then at the age of 18, I got cancer in my right eye. So it wasn't, it was not treatable in Iran. And uh, they, they told me this is it, it's going to be over. Uh, and I, I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to give up. And my dad gave me a hundred bucks. And uh, there were, I mean, people where everyone was expecting me to die. My mom crying, everyone, whoever was seeing me was thinking that's it. These are the last days. But uh, with a hundred dollar, I left my country and uh, basically uh, ended up in Europe working in pizza shop, restaurants, sleeping in a pizza shop, uh, but kept dreaming, kept dreaming that Arnold picture and being a bodybuilder. I was going to the gym, uh, uh, training, uh, that, and that, that was the light for me to continue uh, going at it. And then of course, uh, I was in Europe for a while and things were not going my way. Uh, it, it was just a very, uh, the environment, people didn't like us. They kind of uh, were thinking we're changing their culture. It, it was a lot of a very negative things. So I bought a fake passport and I said, forget it. I'm going to go to America, <laughs> land of dreamers. So when I came to America, they arrested me for having a fake passport and ended up in prison for a maximum security prison for a year. Um, and they, because they thought I'm not a good person and it might be a militant or something from Iran. So I spent a year in a maximum security prison. So this is a kind of a story. That's why I left the country and uh, all the way to America. Well, if you're in prison and you get out, what, how did you, how did they let you stay? So while I was, uh, while I was in prison, uh, of course, CIA, FBI, and all kind of agency, they taking me for six, seven hours a day, uh, constantly changing my prison. So I, uh, I could not see outside, nothing. So at the, after almost a year, I saw a judge that they looked at in my case and they know that we are Part of a religious minority in Iran, and we are getting discriminated. So, and uh, they gave me a free lawyer uh, after almost a year. They gave me a, he, he was a student himself, um, and just kind of worked on my case. And we, re we presented it to the judge, and judge granted me asylum. And at that point, I was, uh, they let me go, and I was homeless on the streets of Chicago. Chicago, Chicago, huh? Mm -hmm. So, when you came over with the passports, that where you were at, you ended up in Chicago? Yes, yes, that's, uh, I, I ended up going to, uh, there were constantly moving me prison to prison, Wisconsin to Indiana, some places I didn't know where I'm at. Uh, but the last place that I was and they let me out was uh, in Chicago, yes. Diving into the religious part, what was the issue with the religion that the, the so, Iran didn't like? So uh, Iranian, uh, Iran uh, government uh, was a Shia state, is an Islamic Shia state. And uh, uh, what they believe we are completely, uh, we are, uh, our belief system is completely different. Uh, they call us different name. Uh, we basically don't have, we don't practice any of those. Uh, uh, we don't practice any of their uh, their religion. And uh, we have completely our own, uh, basically, uh, uh, I would say, <laughs> a belief system. But uh, I was, I'm not very educated, but I'm not a religious person because the way I grew up, we were not allowed to practice it. We, were, we didn't have a temple anywhere to go. And we were not really talking about it. So it was just, uh, uh, of course, once in a while in the village, when we go to see grandfather and they talk about it, everyone was in a fear. So we were hiding it. So not to get prosecuted. Well, I think your religion is an, an innate, I guess it's innate in you, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it comes from who we are as human beings. And I think a lot of those narratives have been made 
about religion to fit people's culture, uh, whatever it is. But I, at the end of the day, I think there's only one God up there, you know? So when you think about that, it's, uh, it's an interesting scenario that how that affects so many lives, mm-hmm. you know, in different situations uh, that people double down on in a way, you know, instead of looking at people like a human being, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, yeah, this the, the, the subject of religion is so complicated. It's, uh, it's very, it's very triggering to so many people. Yes. I, we, what we believe, we believe we're part of one ecosystem. So if we don't believe in oneness or one thing, we believe in the ecosystem. We believe in everybody's part of, part of this big ecosystem and the good and bad, everything is basically making the world work uh, the way it works right now. So it's, uh, as I said, it's a very, uh, uh, we in Iran, we had to deal with it on a daily basis. I'm not a very. <laughs> uh, it, it, it can uh, people can make up a lot of stuff in their own head and attach it to it. So that's why it can go to wrong <laughs> places very easy. So you're in get let out of jail you're in chicago and you you want to make your way to la How, mm-hmm. what was that like getting getting to la so i was I, once they let me out i was on the street i was walking around i didn't know where to go i didn't have any money i called one of the cellmates in, in prison that he was he he went out a few uh, months earlier but he gave me his number he said in case if you get stuck call me so i called him he took me to his house and he had a basement he just threw a mattress in there he said stay here he had his wife and kid up there and he said stay here till you figure it out so once I got my social security, it took me three months. I was going to library reading and stuff like that. So I, and I, he took me, I was cleaning houses. He took me with himself to clean houses. He gave me a hundred bucks uh, each time. Once I got a 200 bucks, I bought a $140 ticket, train ticket. And I just shoot out to uh, California. I said, you know what? That's where the dreams is. <laughs> uh, so I just jumped in a train and two, three days later, I was in downtown LA. The, didn't know anyone just ended up i was walking the street i was just looking at this big building and all the big street i was just in awe uh, america how big and beautiful it is um so that's how i started so i i was walking around and i saw in a newspaper uh, a lot of security jobs so i called one of them and they hired me for a graveyard shift so i was working at night from 11 to 7 a.m i was working uh, as a graveyard shift seven day- seven days a week uh, i was going at it and i was bodybuilding hardcore I was, that's when I started getting serious to start competing. And how old were you at this time? I was 20, uh, 27. So you, you were kind of putting your energies into the, the working out and that became a career. When, now, mm-hmm. uh, when you started competing, how did that work out for you? It was good. I mean, it was a pure passion. I was just, I wanted to be one of these guys, one of these bodybuilders being on stage competing so bad. I, w- I was going, uh, I was doing oh, anything it takes to do it. It felt amazing. I went on a stage, uh, but to be competitive and go to the higher level, I needed money. So I needed money because supplements, you have to have nutritionists and trainer if you can. So it needed a lot of support. Uh, as far as being able to put in work, I was able, but emotionally, you needed a lot of support. So I la- I realized it way later that what was happening to me, uh, because you are so fragile, you're bringing your body fat to three, four percent body fat and any kind of taught any kind of stress, any kind of anxiety will kind of in a, in a matter of 24 hours, when you cut your water to get ready, go on stage, it can have a huge impact on you. It can make you look flat. It can make you retain water. So those emotional states of mind, I was not able to control that as much. Uh, that's why 
uh, basically, I think um, that was that was the challenge for me. I, and at the time, I didn't understand it. And I started opening a gym. Once I opened the gym, I started going harder at it. Uh, but as I said, along the way, so many people start talking about how the change, uh, life is changing through the gym. Kind of, uh, I found my calling. I realized, wow, I'm having a lot more blast training these people, getting them in shape and sharing my knowledge, which the knowledge they were asking for, it was so simple. People wanted to get the six packs, which is about 12% body fat. Uh, it's very, very simple for me. I could do it with closed eyes uh, versus uh, me wanting to get to 3% body fat and has so much complication when it could go down there. Uh, so that was the body one. But it was a blast. Uh, the bodybuilding mostly was kind of skipping reality. My life was so painful. Uh, even in America, it was like, who goes and sitting as guard shack security uh, all night and then come and then I would go evening time again another security job in a very very rough neighborhood in LA just where the, basically it was the gangland in the, uh, where I was working as a security guard um, anything could happen to you but this bodybuilding this training was a light for me and it was the drive that I, I was kind of lost in this world that I created for myself being a champion, uh, imagining a lot of good things. And that was my escape. Uh, that's how I used bodybuilding pretty much all my life since I was a kid. What is your approach with, you know, what's 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 different about your approach, like food and Absolutely. that type of stuff? If I, if I wanted a six pack, what would, what would I need to do? Absolutely. So my approach is people come to me to train with me either twice a week or three times a week. 30 minute sessions. And I tell them, just go for a walk. The days that you're not training, go for a walk, 30 minute walk. And with a diet, with a food plan, I'll keep it very simple and practical as well. I tell them, hey, you have your three solid meal usually. I mean, on a regular basis, you have your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And are you going to have a couple of shakes in between the breakfast and lunch and a, a shake between lunch and dinner? So this way you kill your appetite. When you go into the meal, you don't eat too much. And for a snack, you can have a protein shake. You can go to 7 Eleven or any store. You can just get a, regular protein shake and mostly comes down to controlling calories so you want to be conscious about that main thing for me is to keep everything simple and practical because people who come to me they are not really a gym rat they are busy professional they don't like actually gym they come to me because if they look good they feel better and that feeling better will affect their business they will affect what what they do and that that trickles down into their family a lot blah, blah, blah. but the main main thing for these guys they don't have time so they come to me for those 30 minute sessions and uh, my approach to diet is so simple. They don't have to change their lifestyle to come up with all these kind of crazy diet plan. No, it's very simple. It's all about consistency of it and just going at it. And the results will come pretty fast. I have amazing, amazing results in a matter of a few months. I mean, thousands of people. Uh, and it's an absolutely proven system uh, that I've created. You opened this gym, I mean, thinking, think you're, you know, you're doing security when you opened this gym. <laughs> mm -hmm. When I opened the gym, I quit security. As soon as I opened it, I opened it with $3,000 unemployment money. So because the security fired me at that time, it was 2011. So I was looking for other security job. I would go into the interviews, but there was a lot of soldiers were coming back from the Iraq and, and they were, were a lot more qualified than me. Here is a soldier that is a completely trained a security job is nothing for him. So he was applying for the same job as I do. Who would they give the job to? Of course, he deserved it more than I do. So he would get the job and I, there was no way for me to find it. I tried so many companies and they were not hiring me and the, the previous employer he fired me and i had unemployment they gave me like three thousand dollar back pay so i had three thousand dollars to my name so i went and i got the place for 1900 bucks i gave the guy 1900 bucks i didn't have any equipment nothing i had uh, three dumbbells i think up to 30 pounds and one bar 
with a couple of plates and just a little empty spot to the, it, it felt like a hospital when you come in. People could come in and say, hey, where is the gym? I said, here's the gym. Nobody could believe it, but that's how we pretty much I started it. Uh, but I knew a lot about bodybuilding. I knew how to tax the muscle, even with a couple of dumbbells. I knew how to send you home sweating and completely taxed. Nice. And, that's, and that's one, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That, that's one of the main reasons my sessions are 30 minutes because I couldn't do one hour session because I didn't have enough equipment to do one hour. So I started doing 30 minutes, but nobody could even last 10, 15 minutes when I was training them. Then I realized, okay, this is it, 30 minutes all out. Huh, interesting. So what kind of what kind of client have has your business grown into being one of the most successful gyms, uh, you know, small gyms in America? Absolutely. In, in uh, Westside, where we at, I've trained the mayor of Culver City to, from uh, all the top guys that go to Sony, the, uh, a lot of uh, uh, executive that, because Sony is just down the street, a lot of tech people, mostly business owner, a lot of professional uh, people uh, who mostly don't have much of a time. The, the time is very important for them and result is uh, big for them they want to come and they want to get the job done so they come to me and i just tell them you walk you just need to walk into the gym i tell you exactly what to do what to lift how, what, what exercise to do and all of it is kind of it's a system i have uh, 10 people working right now for me at that little gas station uh basically six of them are full-time four of them are just and every single one of them were my clients every single one of them they were my clients i got them in shape they, they loved it and they said hey if you have a job for us i said yeah sure jump in and i would uh, every single one of them work in a train with me and now they work with me so they are a true believer in what i do and I'm having a blast. You stay open seven days a week? Correct. And from 5.30 in the morning till 8 at night, every 30 minutes, there is a session. Nice. And you do every one? No, I don't train nobody. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I'm I'm just the face of the uh, company. And I'm just putting my story out there, inspiring people, trying to. And I've written my book here, uh, Small Gym, Big Result, uh, uh, which is on Amazon right now, uh, which people can purchase it on www.smallgympigresult.com. Uh, this book is encouraging people to start their own gym in their garage with the minimal equipment to do what I do and basically live the American dream. I'm I'm having a blast. I have a big house by the beach, cars, bikes, everything, everything that I, I mean, I didn't even, I saw all this in, in the movies when I was in Iran. Now I'm living it. So it's a blast. Were you at Venice Beach? Where are you at? Uh, I'm, I'm in uh, basically Marina del Rey, in Marina del Rey, right? Yeah. Uh, Venice is a little further down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I love Marina. Yeah. Yeah. Great lawyer. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, so, a lot of fun it's quiet it's uh it's really nice here you have a family and kids and no a whole life there uh, yeah uh, that's the next phase hopefully i'm, I'm working on no uh, the past few years i've been uh, really focused on the six packs because it changed my life and it changed my employee's life and people who come to it. So I just, and it's kind of, I would say it's a funny to say, but it's like, a, I feel like it's a calling because I can't even mess it up myself. Is There's a force. I just wake up and I want to do this without even analyzing, questioning. I just want to do this. I, I don't want to travel. I don't want to do absolutely. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We keep a lot of emotions bundled up inside in life, and sometimes we got to talk to people. I witnessed the benefits with my own two eyes. I have a close friend that was struggling with depression and felt like she had no one she could consistently talk to because of her busy schedule. She was matched with a therapist through BetterHelp. After several months of sessions, I've seen a tremendous change in her personality and in her life. If you're needing therapy and and want to get some of those things off your chest, it's entirely online and designed to conveniently work around your schedule and empower you to be the best version of yourself. Just fill out a questionnaire and they will align you with the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unimpressed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash unimpressed. Nothing but just go to the gym <laughs> and do the, what I'm doing right now. Uh, no, I'm, I don't have any kids. I don't have a, a wife or anything. Uh, it's just me and my dog, <laughs> Milo, and six-pack gym pretty much. I'm going at it pretty hard. Hopefully, that's the next phase. Nice, nice. In the book, show, show the book because I've just Absolutely. looked up. Yeah, the Small book. Gym, big result. Yes. In this, in this book, basically, I'm teaching people how to start, how, the mistakes that are making, how to price themselves, how to deal with taxes, how to deal with legal issues, how to build a team, how to build a culture. Uh, if you don't have much of equipment, no problem. I, I give them a list of minimal equipment, even how to exercise, how what exercises to do. Everything is kind of written in this uh, book to, uh, to how to deal with insurance, your nutrition, every everything that you think of uh, for a small gym. Because most of the small gym in America, they imitate big gym, commercial gyms, and they all go broke. Because when you're imitating big commercial gym, they have capital. And you're running a system like them, it, it will make you go broke or it will basically uh, burn you out nobody has figured out the system for a small gym so what i have done i've organized and bodybuilding is a very on uh, kind of a scattered uh, thing uh, everyone doing a one-on-one sessions and they are very costly uh, not many people can keep up with that even if you're interested to do it uh, but with my gym you have a money that you pay every month is a membership you can cancel anytime you want come in and out anytime you want is completely catered to busy professionals uh so and this book covers every aspect of that and it teaches them so they don't make all the mistakes that i made in the last 12 years you come from iran and that Mm -hmm. that, and what's your lineage do you know your lineage back 100 years about what kind of where this drive and passion comes from uh uh, not really. We, we were basically, um, we're in a mountain, of, uh, I mean, in a desert in mountain of Iran, in the western part of Iran, Kurdish area. And uh, there is no, it's just that area has been war <laughs> since the beginning of day. So be people, I mean, the history of Iran is extremely rich from all the, the war. Um, not really people around me, everyone was poor and everyone, but I hated, I, uh, but I, when I was growing up, I saw uncle, everyone was kind of, we all, 
they're all were fighting each other. And when I was looking at it, the root of the cause of everything was money. Everything was, but my religion was preaching poverty, preaching that money and attachment to the world is no good, just like most of Western religion. And, but then I saw that is the exact problem we have. I said, if we have money, if we have capital, this, none of this would happen. None of this anger, uh, you kicking us out of your house, you know, we're renting and we don't have money. You kick us out. We're on the street. All that come from poverty. I believe when the poverty comes, the faith and everything else else goes out of the door. So I wanted to fix that one problem for all my family, for everyone. And I've been able to send money back home, buy a house for my parents, and they live in my house, uh, help my sister get married, I pay for the stuff. My brother, I can send them. Uh, anytime they get stuck for money, I can send them. I, for me, when I was in Iran, I saw one of the biggest cause was that poverty. So I, I wanted to fix that, whatever it takes. What's the thought process over there for spirituality? from like you know there's a lot of history from the egyptians and 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 if you go back that far does y'all y'all recognize that or has the country kind of kept you from that narrative no no uh, no absolutely uh, actually we are very I'm, I'm personally very educated about the subject of what's going on in middle east what happened i mean the history of what happened to us um is uh, no people have the knowledge people have about propaganda and brainwashing people through government and what they want to uh, preach all the channels everything has been uh basically they indoctrinate people and then turn people against each other like they to, they point out to the they point out that they give the pro we have a problem in our country and they give it a face and that face is either america or israel or someone else it's never themselves it's never government of iran and what they're doing uh so we saw a lot of that and people are these days, actually, very aware. Uh, as you saw a few months ago, it was an uprising uh, with women in Iran, and of course, a lot of uh, men behind them. Um, people are very educated, but unfortunately, depressed because of the system in Iran. And there's some kind of like ancient, you know, landmark there. What's the thing underground? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is a lot of site in Iran which called one of them is Persepolis, uh, which is uh, in a uh, kind of a central of Iran, uh, uh, and uh, that goes back to probably uh, 2,500 years ago. There is a lot of sight in Iran. Uh, hopefully one day the door is going to be open and people can see what's going on. It's, it's unbelievable. It's another Egypt, I, I believe, in a bigger extent because it's a bit, it has sight all over the country and um, each uh, each emperor or each uh, empire <laughs> did their own thing. And uh, of course, the next person came and destroyed everything and built their own. It, it's a pretty fascinating, fascinating country to see. I always tell people the door on my grandfather. Uh, house it's like 500 years old you know the wood so it, iran is such a old country and has a lot of history behind it it's pretty it's pretty fascinating what do you think about energy i personally of course it's existed and uh i personally try not to no i try to extremely deal with reality what my what i'm dealing with because uh i i for, my, for myself i noticed uh, i can build belief system especially under pressure uh which i did i build a lot of belief system to survive and now that i'm successful i have to undo those because they, they were my survival mechanism but now at, when i'm successful it's kicking in and is making me uh kind of it doesn't work at this phase of my life so i'm trying to get rid of them i'm trying to not to create any kind of belief system for myself and uh, deal with the reality as much as i can uh, which is very painful but i try to face everything and uh, basically uh, go head on yeah i mean do you feel like your experience experiencing different feelings now with with things that are changing in the universe you know being from that area because sometimes i think in your you know you are a successful story and i Thank think you. you 
have to put your energy into that success. Mm-hmm. The only problem with that is you sometimes putting that energy into your success is, is you forget about yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you, you know, is that, are you kind of grounding yourself now that you've had some success and so forth? I, I, absolutely. Um, I, I, my vision is um, what I did was I, I constantly work on my vision and make it more clear. I'm part of that. The more clear I am on what I do, I, uh, so I don't get uh, to do pivot because there's a lot of idea, a lot of noise come out. And of course, it wants to get you off track. But I'm so clear. I'm constantly working on making that vision more clear and clear of what I'm doing. But I feel amazing because I have a long term goal and I know that this. This phase is a voice. For example, this phase is a, it's just a period of time that once I pass this, then I'll go to the next one and then uh, I get a chance to do this work or do charity or whatever I have to do. But each one is basically um, has its own place. Before, uh, when I was going through all this, I didn't know, but now I kind of have a system for myself. I know, okay, if I put my focus in only one thing and not get distracted with other stuff, this will benefit myself. It will change my own life and other people around me my family and of course the people who are uh, in touch with me. Well that's the that's the biggest problem in America is focusing on one thing. Nobody can focus, you know. I mean that's a big deal in itself. It's painful. It's extremely painful. You when you focus like a, myself, I don't uh, uh, just going back to uh, uh, <laughs> when you're getting pressured, especially you can check your, uh, uh, your audience, anybody that listening can check when you are get under pressure, you have to see what it does, what triggers you like some people drink, some people smoke, some people whatever it is. Some people chase girl. I chase uh, when I was getting under pressure, I would chase girls to distract myself. I didn't know at the time. But now I know when I'm under pressure, I react, I have triggers. So by knowing, by knowing yourself, especially there's something that I'm doing, uh, it's very interesting and fascinating. I'm not very educated about it, but I do it it's called EMDR. So it's a light that goes, uh, it's for soldiers that are coming back uh, from war and they have trauma. They, 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 uh, they basically, uh, that's a treatment for it. And it's extremely, extremely effective. Like you do the session today and you get results the same day same day it's fascinating i've done it and I'm, I'm constantly doing it every week actually i was doing it this morning and it has solved so many so many in my own opinion because i would i remembered i would think i would think i could not stop thinking like i would think thinking until midnight i could not switch off my brain but by doing this and all that come from trauma i think uh, by doing the emdr my head is completely calm completely i have no nothing i just come home chill do whatever i have to do i read book so it's a constant growth <laughs> i've noticed every part i have to uh, uh, grow and that's i think what makes you more focused and focused the more you understand EMDR. I just looked it up. I, yes. I haven't heard of it. Um, what What is that? So it actually, this was, uh, I'm not very educated, so I don't want to uh, say something that uh, is not accurate. Uh, I'm in a business class. I was in a business class uh, it's, uh, called Simple Operation. And the, our teacher name is Alex Sharfen, amazing man. So he told all the, all the business people, he said, every single person that goes into business, they have some kind of trauma. This must be a trauma to have this kind of a drive to have kind of the, so the, the talk therapy doesn't work and you guys better to do EMDR. And so, okay, I'll go to the EMDR. So this EMDR, basically I'm talking to the uh, Christy, the lady that works with me. Um, and they put this light on and it goes left and right. 
and it will process the stuff that, uh, for example, I've never reflected. Uh, I'm looking at it and she take me back to when I was eight years old in the middle of the war. People are dying and uh, bringing hundreds of dead bodies. And I'm standing there. I was eight years old. I saw two people getting hanged uh, in front of, uh, they brought them to our neighborhood and they hanged them. I remember them 18 years old kicking on the rope. And I was eight years old just watching it. And I didn't have feeling for two weeks at a time. I didn't know what's happening to me. And uh, I never, ever reflect on those moments after because my brain shut it off because it completely forgot the incident till later and then once she took me back to eight years old that light made me go back and remember every single little detail from that time and then he would tell me Siovash now go as this person as successful Siovash with the house with all these toys that you have go and look at that kid and tell him you'll be going to be okay and it was i was pouring i was pouring crying and it was you kind of go back and tell yourself that you're okay and that triggers something inside you it's it's pretty fascinating when you do and i'm uh, and it has an immediate effect on you um again i'm not very educated uh, on the subject so i don't want to open it up to the point what it does exactly to you but it processes all these trauma and it's extremely effective i really highly recommend i always recommend it to people who ever talked to me i said it's been working for me pretty good so uh, i'm gonna continue doing it yeah nice well i mean i always say this on my show is you know when when i looked at subconscious and i looked at unconscious bias and i looked at consciousness and you know scientists define those independently and the reason is because science is a one-lane highway i mean by law you have to stay in one lane you don't have to figure out how to connect that but you know i come up i have quantum physics and some things coming Mm -hmm. through but um the rationale is you know a lot of people don't realize your subconscious is being programmed in those very vulnerable years of your life and however heavy that programming is you're responding to things in your life through your unconscious bias unknowingly mm-hmm. whether you remember or you don't remember it mm-hmm. so if you don't understand that or do something like you're doing to unearth that you can have these triggers that you're responding to with your unconscious bias and never get to consciousness mm-hmm. because of these major traumas that you may have experienced uh, absolutely abs- absolutely for example one of the thing i was i was coming to um, have the talk with you today uh, today and i got this heavy heavy chest anxiety and i was like like, what's happening i'm very comfortable talking of course and i'm excited to be here but why is this happening when i figured it out why because i've always had to be for example uh on the run i i never had any bags i had nothing when i was for, for almost 12 years of uh, when I left the country, uh, sorry, for six, seven years of uh, leaving the country, I had absolutely nothing with me. I always were on to go. Like if something happened, I can pack and go. So I had nothing sentimental. I built this life of um, not being constrained. So now when I had appointment, when I have appointment, I, that triggers, that trigger kicks in, that kicks in and uh, it, it makes me feel like I have to, I'm, I'm constrained. So then when I, once I understood it, I understood what's happening to me, boom, it goes away. Once you remind yourself of, oh, this is, uh, why are you having such a reaction? You're, you're fine. You're, you're looking forward to this uh, talk. And right away, that feeling goes away. But as you said, that kicks in. <laughs> as, uh, if you're conscious about it, you can get rid of it. If you're not, then it will basically, you're living that life again. You're uh, repeating yeah. patterns. Yeah. And a lot of people have a problem, un, you know, unearthing that. They can't, they can't unearth those traumas for some reason or another. So I think, um, I think you got to applaud yourself for being, being able to get through that, 
mentally and internally because that, that, that means you have a pretty strong mind to do that. No, not everybody can do that. Oh, I'm committed to build something. And in order to build this, I have to, along the way of growing the business, I have to grow myself. It, it is impossible to grow this business without me. Uh, if, if I'm stuck, I can't grow this because it needs some emotional strength uh, that you, you handle more and more. <laughs> in, in person, they say, uh, the bigger roof you have, the more snow you got to shovel. So the, the more I'm asking for more business, so I need to be able to emotionally handle more. You're dealing with people, uh, you're dealing with employee. You don't want those to kick in, those instinct kick in from uh, those trauma and mess up what you're about to build. So I'm very, very committed to that, to, to build uh, here in America something that is, I mean, in America, I came here, they gave me the chance to stay here. I'm, uh, I want to give back. I, uh, my goal is to, I don't want to come here and uh, <laughs> just uh, be uh, using a uh, thing. I want to absolutely give back. That was the day that judge let me go. I said, you know what? I'll make sure I'm a very productive member of this society so they don't, uh, <laughs> they, the judge, whenever he sees it, he says, okay, I'm glad I made this decision. So he doesn't say, oh, yeah. I regretted it. <laughs> well, good for you, man. Good for you. Have you got to meet Arnold? Uh, yes, actually, I met Arnold. Uh, I, very, I, I know all the big-time bodybuilders like Mr. Olympia, Jay Cutler. They shot commercial at my gym. Tom Platts, one of the bodybuilding legends. He actually lived at my house for three months. He, he was at my gym. So I mean, a lot of big, big time bodybuilders, Samia Benu, they shot at my uh, gym. Uh, pretty well known because the Venice Golds is not that far from my gym. And uh, I know pretty much a lot of people uh, in that world of bodybuilding. And Arnold, yeah, I couldn't believe it. One day I was at Gold's gym, Venice. Arnold was standing there, Lou Frigno and Robert Robinson, these guys, and Tom Platts. And I was training with Tom Platts. They were just talking to each other and I was just staring at them. I was like, God, I was just sitting on my porch and looking at this bodybuilding picture of these guys. Now I'm standing right next to them. So it's pretty cool to, nice. to, to experience it. Well, show us that book one more time. Absolutely. Here it is. A small gym, big result. First portion of it is my story of the whole Iran and uh, basically what was happening uh, and then all the way coming to America and building this gym. For you, man, I mean, thank you, John. you know, when people say they have issues, uh, they need to hear your story. <laughs> uh, there's <laughs> there's something, actually, there's something, uh, a, this guy, he was complaining and he said, oh, I have a painful life. Uh, he went to a monk and the monk said, hey, write on a piece of paper, go to desert and you see these three and drop it in that box. So he, he on a donkey, he write, Three days, he get to the tree. Before he put it in a box, the box says, before you put yours in, pick up three and read it and then put yours. So he picks up three and read them. And then he tears his own one because he said, my problem is nothing compared to the other three. So even mine, uh, although it's bad, I'm sure there are some people out there that went through harder times. So if anybody out there going through some tough time, I always tell myself like that. I always tell myself, pain, uh, I mean, the root of growth is pain. Anything, even in bodybuilding, when you're pushing that weight and squeezing those muscles, it's painful. But but uh, uh, the result of it is amazing. So if you're going through something, I'm sure it's, getting, it's preparing you for something way bigger. Siavash Fashi. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I hope uh, uh, your audience enjoyed this talk. And I was, I was, I'm very excited that I was here. Very impactful story. And I think people will enjoy listening to it. You know, I try to do some things on here to try to educate people about human beings really mm -hmm. it's interviewing people from the foundation up and what their journey is mm -hmm. and i think when you know that's how you learn life is understanding other people's journeys because if you don't have a blueprint to compare to then you don't know where you're going absolutely again 
Thank you, Sivaj, for coming on the show. My name's John Edmonds Cosma, uh, the CEO of Bang Productions. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 